0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. In a few moments, we'll talk with John Schlafly. We'll get an update from John Schlafly about the Schlafly Report, which airs, uh, which, excuse me, posts over at townhall.com each Tuesday evening. And we'll get a lot more discussion with him. His column this week is about... Uh, Marjorie uh, Taylor Green and standing up. I'll talk about that um, in the next segment before we talk to John. I'll give you my thoughts on that. But first, I want to spend some time with you right now. What you now know. One of my one of our listeners said I should call it the wink should be what you now know, what you now know after I'm done explaining something. What you now know is this. So maybe I'll try that. But anyway, the daily wink. Please go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up there. Ed Martin's Pro America Report. Um, you get an email every day. Uh, what you need to know, what you now know, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, gives you some links. Gives you usually the Periscope I do each uh, day. I do a Periscope at nine forty five Eastern Time A. M. And again, at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, just a quick 15 minute update on what I'm hearing, what I'm knowing and uh, what you should what you need to know. All right. Listen, today I want to spend a few moments talking about what we're seeing. It's only been two weeks since Joe Biden has become president of the United States. It feels like it's been weeks and months. I don't know. It feels like a long time, but it's been two weeks. And while there are, I think, close to 50 executive orders, many of them uh, not too important, but many of them important. Um, and there's lots of appointments that are being confirmed and a lot of things changing. Uh, John Schlafly mentioned in a text uh, that he'll comment, I sh- assume, on the air that uh, the the uh, Justice Department, which is the lawyer and and the party to lawsuits is the government, uh, is dropping some of the cases that Trump had contested in the Supreme Court so all these impacts are happening just two weeks two weeks However, I want to pause and I want to tell you about what I think is one of the really uh, important lessons to learn. And I want to set this up. I did this on my Periscope. You can go to at Eagle Ed Martin and track it down. Well, let me start by telling you a story in my my youth. I've had the opportunity in my life to have wonderful mentors professionally. And one of the mentors was uh, Sister Antona Ebo. She was, she passed away a few years ago now, a wonderfully kind, African-American nun, a Catholic nun from St. Louis. And after I finished law school, I was appointed by the Archbishop of St. Louis to take over as director of the Human Rights Office for the Catholic Church in St. Louis. It's a historic office, the Human Rights Office. It was one that had been involved in the civil rights era. But by the time I was appointed in the late 90s, the office had become the landing place for every sort of hippie, uh, hippie idea and hippie thing. So when I became the, the director, we had people that were doing like um, cooperatives, uh, Guatemalan cooperatives, and wanting to protest uh, the School of the Americas in Georgia, the military. They wanted to, uh, to do all kinds of things with regard to social justice. And there was even people in the office working there who were affiliated or at least supportive of ACORN and their efforts to influence politics. So the, the archbishop at the time, Archbishop, Uh, Justin Regali, very nice man, and he became a mentor, too. He said to me, I said, well, what, sir, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want the office to go back to its roots, human rights, life, human rights, family, and human rights, education, especially at that time. And St. Louis has had a history of great education, but also history in the last 30 years, 40 years of failed uh, urban education. So those were the three areas. So as I was preparing to kind of um, go into this job, I was nervous. That's my first management experience as a, an adult. I had had different jobs when I was young. I was a, a senior, well, a senior, that's a bit of an assistant manager of a grocery store. <laughs> I, was, I was a gro- worked in a grocery store from the time I was about 14. Until I was about 23. And uh, in that experience, towards the end of that, I was managing a bunch of people, but not a lot of management experience. But here I am with an office of about six or seven people, uh, and I had 50 on commissions, boards, and commissions. And so I was getting ready to decide to fire some people and and to uh, change things up. And I met with this iconic African-American nun, uh, Sister Antona Ebo, who was on one of our boards and had marched at Selma and was a well-beloved figure for her prayerfulness and for her kindness. She worked in one of the parishes, St. Nicholas, downtown in St. Louis. So I met with her and I was kind of nervous. And I said, Sister, you know, I, I, I I got to know her in the first month or two. But I said, Sister, I've kind of studied everything I need to make a bunch of changes and she gave me a lot of different encouragement but she ultimately finished and said Ed remember this the new broom sweeps clean the new broom sweeps clean I've never forgotten that and as I went ahead she said you know do what you have to do and I cleared out a bunch of people and I made a bunch of decisions the new broom sweeps clean and I'm watching now, as the news came out, that the Secretary of Defense, his name, his last name is Austin, he's a retired general, sat on the board of a couple, I think at least one, maybe more than one, big uh, defense contractors, uh, uh, and he is now the Secretary of Defense. And in the last couple of days, he eliminated 42 commissions that worked and advised the Pentagon. Now, one... If you can't get rid of individuals you don't like and you need a way to get rid of them, you can get rid of a whole department, a whole commission. You can eliminate the whole, uh, uh, you know, whole project. There's lots of ways to do that. That's what he's doing. Number two, he didn't want to do this. If you're an institutionalist, you're a general in the military, and you work on boards of Raytheon or whatever he was, I think it was Raytheon, you got lots of friends, because those boards and commissions at the Pentagon are people who get uh, senior-level uh, uh, clearances, sometimes secret, sometimes top secret, and it gives you uh cachet in your professional life if you're on a volunteer board that advises the Secretary of Defense. Some of those people are lobbyists, some of those people are academics, some of those people are political, whatever they are, you know, functionaries. That's the kind of swamp thing. So the secretary of defense clears that all out. He clears out staff. He fires people. He's clean in house. The White House told him to do that and here's my point. The left and the democrats understand how to do this. They don't mess around. When Obama when Obama's team realized that they lost when they lost the election, Hillary lost the election in 2016, the Obama administration and I met with people at the State Department told me this, they have quickly began Making sure that tons and tons of career of 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 activist type uh, liberals got converted from political appointees and placed in protected jobs in the administration of the State Department. That's what I was told by people I trust because they understood the game. Just like when they got into office, they're not apologizing. No one in the White House is saying we have signed 47 or 48 executive uh, uh, executive orders. That's more than anybody ever. in all the time they're in office, they don't care. Nobody is apologizing for eliminating boards and commissions. Nobody's apologizing for cleaning house. On the left, they know this. And on the right, especially conservatives, we often think, well, who's got the best marriage? You know, who's a who's got experience? I mean, no one really knows how to do X job. And this person's been working in that department in government for 22 years. They may know. Well, maybe they'll do it because they'll be honorable because we're we're conservatives. We don't actually lie to each other all the time. Other people must not lie. The truth is they do lie. Not all the time but they do. And so the left understands how the swamp works and they know how to fill the swamp. They're clear. The left is draining the swamp of any people Trump brought with him. Anybody who's conservative, anybody who's who's serious. And back to Trump. When President Trump came into office, he did a lot of challenging of the swamp. He did. He took on a lot of the swamp in many ways, especially on policy issues, especially on the things like that we care about very much like immigration. Uh, he did a lot of swamp fighting, but he fundamentally didn't realize and his people that came with him didn't understand that they had to, had to really move with dispatch. And so my, my pitch to people out there is if you're listening to this and you, someday you want to be chief of staff to a Republican president, take. A, take a paid, study what's happening right now and look at the first 50 days of the Biden administration and realize these are vindictive people who thought they were going to get their third term when Hillary was going to win and they had to wait four years and now they're back and they're not messing around. They're not just being vindictive and I say this carefully, they're being smart. They know how the game's played. And here's the real trick, two things about this. If you're a bureaucrat and you're looking up and you're seeing what they're doing, you're saying, huh, they know how this game is played. I better figure out how to go along. And number two, if you look up and you see one of the dominant figures in American public life right now in running government is Susan Rice. And not only did Susan Rice unmask many Americans improper looks like improperly in the 60 days after Obama's uh, after Hillary lost the election. She also was instrumental in targeting General Flynn. She mismanaged the Benghazi, the truth about Benghazi, et cetera, et cetera. Not only was she not you know, vilified and never had a job again. She wasn't, you know, she she was given all kinds of opportunities in the f- intervening four years and now she's back in charge as head of the Domestic Policy Council. So the message there is... If you do something wrong, Benghazi, Flynn, unmasking, even if you get caught, you won't get held unaccountable. In fact, you get promoted. And don't think that the people out there aren't looking at that and saying, huh, that's how I better act. I'm talking about the bureaucrats, the swamp. It's a major problem. And one of the biggest problems is that the the conservatives and the Republicans, when they get in office, don't understand how they have to. And, you know, the know there's a column, a fairly famous column in my mind, Phyllis Schlafly wrote uh, back when Reagan won. I think it was when Reagan won. And so the title is from the to the victor goes the spoils. And she's talking about how many positions the government has that need to be filled by a conservative president. And and although I have great esteem and respect for President Trump's efforts, he did not have a team that filled these spots well enough. It's a major, uh, major failing, a major uh, mistake. So there you have it. That's what's going on in terms of drain the swamp. And so what you now know is you got to know how the game's played. You got to have the courage to do it. And you've got to. Be the the new broom sweeps clean, as Sister Antonia Ebo taught me. All right, we'll take a break and come back. We'll come back. I'm going to give you an update on a few things, and then later we'll talk with John Schlafly. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. All right, we've got to talk about a subject. I want to lay this out for you. This is very, very important. Um, and this is a policy prediction that I want to tell you that's going to have a political ramification. Okay, you are now shaping up for what is one of the great uh, battles of the Democrat Party. I've told you the Democrat Party actually has a civil war going on inside it. Uh, Joe Biden is far to the left of what the Democrat Party wanted to be. Um, he's stuck there. He's going to keep going for it, but here's where you really are going to see something uh, spectacular, and that is the question of, of schools. Because Joe Biden is the first uh, president, even Barack Obama was not beholden to the teachers unions. They frustrated him because they didn't play along. All they wanted was more, 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 and they kept delivering less, less, less in terms of quality. And Obama was famously cool with the teachers unions. Well, and so was um, Clinton. But in this, in the case of Joe Biden, he ran for office. His wife is a school teachers union member and is a is a professor at a, a community college. And um, so he has said, "I'm going to have a teachers union uh, member in the office, uh, in, in the Oval Office, with me." I'll take care of you. And he's made that a a central promise. But he also promised the American people because this is what politicians do. He said, in the first 100 days, we're going to get everybody back to school. Well, The rubber's hitting the road, and as they say, and more importantly, the uh, stuffing is hitting the fan, because um, the fact is the teachers' unions don't really want to go back to school. And across the country, you're seeing growing dissatisfaction, has been for about a year since the pandemic kicked in, really maybe seven or eight months is better to say, because it took a few months for people to realize how abysmal virtual learning was, and they couldn't understand why these very well-funded public schools in lots of suburban counties weren't even trying meanwhile private schools are going back to school in person and all so that's the setup and and of course the voters here a lot of the voters that uh, were targeted by biden were suburban voters who were dissatisfied with the coronavirus and they were didn't like trump some of trump's uh, way he talked or whatever but Biden made this promise. And the teachers' unions are effectively saying give us more and more money, billions and billions of dollars, to be able to do vaccines and build certain uh, protections by PPE, all that stuff. Except. They really don't want to go back to school. So in places like California and Chicago and Fairfax County in Virginia, where the school teachers unions effectively operate as a the political arm of the candidates for school board and they have control, they are distinctly not moving ahead to open up in Fairfax County, of which I'm most familiar. I live in that county, although my children are in private schools uh, in, yeah, in, in private schools in person. Um, the, the, the superintendent of the schools came in and said, I got this plan to get back to in-person in learning. And the school board said, not so fast. Slow down, wait. And the school board is wholly, you know, influenced and owned, if you want to uh, be honest, by the school uh, unions, the teachers unions. Same thing in Chicago. Same thing in California. And one of the things that's happening, this is a policy fight, because what do you need billions for I mean build you know uh, um vaccines I get that's okay. that makes sense, but then you're going to do what with billions? What is What part of this do you need money for once you're once you get to the point where people are are safe and feel comfortable, you just got to go back to school. You don't need billions. I mean, I guess you need a little bit of money to put up some screens or maybe do some more space or something. I don't know, but they're basically holding a hostage uh the president because he said he'd deliver, but the American people want their kids back in school. And this policy fight is, in my estimation, is going to burst into the open as a political problem. And if the place you're going to see it first is in the next 60 to 90 days in California, where the the effort by uh, people in that state to recall Governor Newsom, and the laws in California allow a recall petition. If there is a recall, then there's just two questions on the ballot. If you get enough, if you get enough signatures, there's just two questions on an election day ballot. Number one is, should we recall Gavin Newsom? If, if that wins enough people that say yes, a majority, then the next question is, which of these people who've said they would serve as governor should serve as governor? This is how Arnold Schwarzenegger got in, how Gray Davis got recalled. So, but here's the thing. In California, in the next 60 to 90 days, you're going to see whether the dissatisfaction of thousands and thousands of parents, millions of parents and millions and millions of citizens is so strong that they will recall Gavin Newsom, who a year ago. Six months ago would have been the most, one of the more dynamic uh, um, Democrats um young he 'd been a former mayor he 's got some his wife has got a few kids and all and he 's kind of looks the part he 's central casting you know california 's obviously liberal et cetera et cetera and suddenly he finds himself in a position where he could lose his job and one of the the, the shutdowns and the, and the and the and the draconian rules on businesses is big, but the biggest one is the um is the schools, in my opinion, this political issue. So it's a policy fight that's becoming a political problem. And my prediction is you're going to see millions, millions of people who are so dissatisfied with the direction of what's happening that they're going to uh, surprise these Democrats. I'm talking about parents. I'm talking about grandparents. I'm talking about people in the community that are saying we can do better than having so many schools like now. So here's what's coming. Uh, Biden will force through a COVID relief package, gazillions of dollars, $2 trillion. It'll include tens of billions of dollars for direct payments to the school teachers unions. But that doesn't mean they want to go back. It doesn't mean they want to be, they've beaten into themselves and to the, the parents in these liberal places that it's too dangerous. So many of them, not 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 all. And what's going to happen? And again, I think you're seeing that it's a sort of it's a stalemate that's going to be politically problematic. So then watch whether the issue becomes a big one in the only two states that have big elections, uh, New Jersey and Virginia in 2021, and what the impact is there. I just have a feeling that you're going to see some things you haven't seen. And my prediction is, in terms of the turnout in uh, in different places, you know, it's also interesting uh, California to watch um, the massive Asian American Asian American citizens, the population in that state who have tended to be more Democrat voting. Uh, There's a a portion that are more conservative on some social issues, but they tend to be broadly uh, Democratic, and they're really dissatisfied because they really rely and believe in the schools and similar in Virginia, at least Northern Virginia. That's a population too. So it's going to be an interesting one to watch. My prediction is it's going to be particularly problematic uh, in California first and then it will maybe previewing what's happening. But watch for whether Joe Biden can bribe his way out of the problem himself because I'm not sure he can, but that appears to be his only path forward is he's going to have to put billions and billions of dollars towards the schools and that will be uh, towards the teachers unions that will signal to the schools and they'll fall in line that seems to be the best play he can do and uh, I think that's where he's headed so watch for California watch for Virginia and watch for New Jersey and we'll see uh, let me check my notes on this because I was looking at this story um, and um yeah, and 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 you're, you're beginning, by the way, to see coverage of this problem in in places you wouldn't expect. I mean, at this point, the fawning coverage of the Biden administration is noticeable, right? Everybody sees it. Well, Politico is um, is starting uh, to to cover a few things, and one of them is this question. There's a lengthy piece on the problem uh, of um, of what they're going to do um, and how they're going to do it. You know, Governor Newsom, um, he uh, he he the, the he should. Give up," he, he said they should give up reopening this school year uh, if they think everyone has to be vaccinated, and that's what the school unions are saying. Teachers unions say everybody needs to be vaccinated, otherwise we can't open. And so Newsom said, well, if that's what you're going to do, then we're not going to open, and there'll be no in-person instruction in the state of California. That's a box they're in that's a trap really bad trap politically we'll see what happens alright um, that's the news there Now uh, yes I'll put up on, on social media that political article so you can check it out because again it's a sort of, it starts to be a crack in the, um, in, the, uh, in the armor of the Biden coverage at least the way they cover Biden uh, phoning coverage so we'll go there and oh, let me remind you um, over at ProAmericaReport.com you can get all of these interviews and I post the articles over there so go to ProAmericaReport.com and you can also sign up for the Daily Wink I did get an email from one of our listeners uh, and asked me about the periscopes let me read iterate to you every morning at 9:45 East Coast time so 6:45 Pacific time I do a about a 15 minute what you need to know in the morning kind of an update on where we are and then again at 2 o'clock East Coast time, I do another update. So folks, uh, go to at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. You'll see it in my Twitter feed, and you can uh, pay attention. Uh, you can watch it live, or you can go to uh, my Twitter feed and see it there. I, I repost it there. But uh, it's popular for people because quick hit, between 10 and 15 minutes, uh, topical for the day. And uh, please feel free to come over there. And if you do go there, please share it on your own social media channels and spread the word. That makes a big difference. All right, we'll take a break. and we come back, we'll talk with John Schlafly, one half of the great Schlafly Report, the weekly Column that posts over at our sister site at townhall.com as well as archived at Phyllislavley.com. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you in a minute. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. And now it's, excuse me, now it's time to talk with John Schlafly. John Schlafly is one half of the, uh, dynamic duo, the Schlafly brothers who do the Phyllis Schlafly, the Schlafly Report every week. It's available at townhall.com and also available over at, uh, PhyllisSchlafly.com. You can see all of John and Andy's columns archived there. Uh, this week, John, the column is, um, well, it's highlighting, I guess a little bit, To say this, it's highlighting the fight within uh, the Republican Party. Is that the way to say it or where we are? I guess after any election where the top candidate loses, a lot of things start to shake out. So first of all, welcome. John and I are together, actually. So uh, we're in the same studio here. So John, welcome to the program. So tell us, how, how, how did this, what's this column, uh, you're, what are you trying to accomplish here?
0: Well, hello, Ed. It's good to be with you. And uh, we're seeing this fight play out in the House of Representatives, uh, in which the Democrats, who have a slight majority, are trying to discipline a member of the Republican minority, namely Marjorie Taylor Greene, who was just elected to, who is a freshman, just elected from Georgia, 14. And by the way, she won with 75 percent of the vote in her district. So there's no doubt that she is, she represents her 800,000 constituents, and yet the Democrats are trying to de platform her in much the same way uh, that the social media companies are de platforming Donald Trump, Mike Lindell, and a lot of other uh, 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 Trump supporters. So, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, you know, they dug up some old podcasts that she did. I listened to one of them. Um, I didn't agree with everything she said, but she's a very personable, good representative. She's a solid conservative. She's a, a soccer mom. She's a business owner. She's the, just the
1: right person, I think, to represent. Republicans in Congress. I would talking with John Schlafly and John, the column it's called uh, Dems assault on free speech before we get to that. And I, I want to go back to the Marjorie green thing. You and I are from Missouri. We lived through when, uh, Todd Akin went through a misstep in his Senate campaign and he was painted in a certain way by the media. Um, we lived through Steve King talking uh, actually at a sort of somewhat deep level about culture and how things, uh, Develop and then him being skewed And and skewered is a better word And the common denominator Is that the republicans get weak-kneed. The, the left The left has Alcee Hastings is a convicted uh, federal judge. He was a federal judge who was convicted of receiving bribes and was impeached by the United States Senate House and removed by the Senate, convicted, thrown off the federal bench. He's now a sitting member of Congress. He was elected to Congress because I, I guess you're if you're impeached as a judge, you're only uh, uh, forbidden from going and being a federal judge. You're not uh, a <laughs> forbidden from being in Congress, and he mouths off, Maxine Water mouths off, Adam Schiff is the greatest liar in American history, and yet we're supposed to say to what looks to me like a soccer mom from Georgia who is about 430th in seniority in a body of the United States House that doesn't really matter unless you're the speaker, uh, 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 which is Pelosi now, we're supposed to be exercised about what she said on a a video, uh, I mean, but... It's the Republicans that eat each other, and the left never does this, and we're going through that again, aren't we?
0: Well, that's right, and and just look how the the members that the Democrats tolerate. Now you mentioned Elsie Hastings, but I would add to that the members of the squad. And each and uh, I was glad to see that uh, our friend Congressman Andy Biggs was talking about Ilhan Omar this morning. But it's not just Ilhan. I have a particular beef with another member of the squad who isn't quite as well known, who is Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, and I've never forgotten what she said a couple of years ago. Uh, When she spoke to what she thought was um, her own uh, sympathetic people, she said, we don't need black faces that don't want to be a black voice. We don't need brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. In other words, that what she was saying is pure identity politics, that we can't have... Uh, black Republicans. We can't have Hispanic Republicans. Uh, there's, they've got to adhere to the progressive talking point in order to be qualified to represent their minority group. Now, that is a poisonous point of view. And yet, Ayanna Presley got away with it, and she's on committees, and she got reelected,
1: and she's a dangerous person. Well, and we're talking with John Schlafly again, John, and I, I, let me tell you what I've been telling my listeners, and I was reflecting back on the communists when they took over, especially various parts of uh, Eastern Europe, uh, you would have these requirements if you wanted to function in society, and one of them was you had to put a placard out if you were a grocery store owner, and it said, workers of the world unite, and that was a signal to the communist authorities that you understood you were under their thumb, it was also a signal to the people purchasing at the grocery store, they could feel comfortable because you were a participant Right now, we're living in a culture where if you don't put your Black Lives Matter placard up or, or, or put it on your social media, you will be attacked and vilified as racist or even worse as a white supremacist. And yet, Cory Bush, new congresswoman from uh, Missouri, your hometown now, I mean, the, she, she is as far left, has said terrible things about law enforcement and others. But I want to go back to this point, John. We're talking about John Schlafly, of course. His columns are over at townhall.com and also com. John, uh, why is it that Republicans fall for it? We have David Horowitz frequently on the show, and David Horowitz would say, we're in a war, we're in a war, and you to understand it's a war. They don't they hate you. He says it with his voice like that. And so, but, our, uh, but Republicans, you have Kevin McCarthy, you have all the Republicans talking to each other, having special meetings, Literally, Joe Biden is transforming. He's firing half of the, the Pentagon. He's transforming through executive order. Lots of aspects of life. And we have Republicans fighting over a... a oh, one last point. Marjorie, you said this in other uh, talks. Marjorie Taylor Green looks exactly like what I would say is the new Trump voters. They're fed up with the swamp. They're sick of it, and they're going to run. And they don't care if you think they're slick. They don't care if you think that they haven't spoken at the Chamber of Commerce. She looks exactly like what America is fed up about. But why do the Republicans continue to take the bait on these stupid fights?
0: Well, uh, fortunately, Ed, I think we have a, a younger generation of people like Marjorie that are not doing that. And I think there's enough of them. Uh, There's to be a a critical mass because uh, the old line and Mitch McConnell is a good example of that. Mitch McConnell got weak need and he complained that uh, people who believe in conspiracy theories are a cancer on the party. Well, you know, Marjorie uh, shot back at that and she said, well, you know, the real cancer on the Republican Party are weak Republicans. Uh, And who and
1: uh, anyway, so. And so, but John, um, okay... And meanwhile, um, you know, we have the the um, Republicans in the Senate are confirming the nominees, the cabinet nominees. I believe every single Trump nominee was forced to go through the maximum number of cloture votes and all these things uh, when, they, uh, when they when they when they, when Donald Trump was coming in. Uh, the news was out in the last uh, 36 hours or so that the secretary of defense, instead of trying to get rid of uh, people who he thought were not loyal to his new uh, administration as a secretary defense he eliminated 42 commissions as a way to make sure that new trump trump appointees it feels like the left knows how to play hardball and our guys are sitting around playing wiffle ball that is true and the new administration is changing trump's positions just as fast as they can
0: especially on immigration and other issues and uh, just today uh they told the supreme court uh, never mind to two cases that were pending before the supreme court to be argued later this month uh In other words, and and if the Supreme Court simply dismisses the cases as moot, which is the next step, that means a lower court ruling against Trump will stand. And so this
1: kind of thing is going on almost every day now with the Biden administration. And we're talking again with John Schlafly. And don't forget John Schlafly's columns available at townhall.com every uh, Tuesday evening. He and Andy Schlafly write the columns and also available over at phyllisschlafly.com. All right, John, uh, it's only been two and a half or three weeks into the Biden administration. It looks like uh, Joe Biden's, not surprisingly, doesn't have an instant solution to the uh, COVID you know, pandemic. He's got more. Uh, of the leadership of his own party saying we have to stay locked down. I wonder, John, if you think uh, I saw even Politico had a piece that it said Biden's promise to reopen the schools in 100 days is running into an implacable uh, problem. One of his allies, the teachers union, the California teachers union, Chicago teachers union saying we're not doing it. Is this is this maybe the, the biggest story no one's talking about, the teachers unions standing up and dominating the president? And and maybe damaging a lot of suburban voters in a way that they pay a price for? It could
0: be, it, and I think uh, some evidence of that is the movement to recall the governor of California, because the schools are a big part of that. And, uh, you know, the, the public school teachers, the unionized teachers, have gotten very used to collecting their full paychecks without teaching a classroom full of kids. And why not make that the new normal? Who wouldn't like to be paid without working? But that's what that's what they're doing. And, of course, they've raised the specter of COVID, even though the kids the kids almost know Uh, school-aged child has uh, COVID. Now, one thing, Ed, now you mentioned it's, you know, two and a half to three weeks. Actually, Ed, I just looked at the calendar. Today, in fact, this very minute as we're speaking is exactly... Uh, 14 days oh.
1: since the swearing <laughs> it just seems longer I realize that it seems longer <laughs> wow that is something I you're, I guess you're right as we're recording this uh, alright John Schlafly thank you for coming in again the column is always available the Schlafly Report over at uh, townhall.com posts on Tuesday evenings and available at phyllisschlafly.com John we'll, we'll talk again very soon and we'll take a quick break when we come back we've got a lot more Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report don't forget visit proamericareport.com you can search there John Schlafly appears every week often talking about the column but uh, also more broadly on the issues go to proamericareport.com and check out all that there we'll be right back ed martin pro america report
0: this is the phyllis schlafly report a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro family legacy of phyllis schlafly and now from the archives of phyllis schlafly eagles here is phyllis schlafly
2: Conservatives now face a major political challenge, but they can tackle and overcome it. They've done that before. Let's reflect on a little history. In 1964, Lyndon Johnson won in a landslide over Barry Goldwater. After that defeat, conservatives were persuaded to support the moderate candidate, Richard Nixon, who had cozied up to the Rockefeller establishment instead of Ronald Reagan, who was also available. It was a bad mistake for conservatives to accommodate the big government internationalist wing of the Republican Party. Now contrast that mistake with what happened after Republicans lost in 1976 when Jimmy Carter defeated Gerald Ford in a close election. After that, Ronald Reagan spent four years working the grassroots, speaking at dinners, answering audience questions, traveling the country by car and train, making radio broadcasts, and learning from average Americans. By 1980, Reagan had sharpened his conservative philosophy in sync with what Americans want from their leaders. Grassroots conservatives and Ronald Reagan learned from each other. That's the model conservatives should follow now and educate new leaders. Republicans should follow Ronald Reagan's example and focus on the grassroots with a campaign that will be a learning process for both the voters and potential candidates. Conservatives can win by campaigning from the ground up, not the top down. Candidates, consultants and activists should move outside of Washington, D.C. and discover what the remaining 99 percent of the country wants. It is important to educate the voters about the issues, and it's even more important to educate all those who are trying to become our leaders. That can best be done by having them crisscross the country, speak to small groups, and open themselves up to questioning about real issues. Only then can they demonstrate and convince the voters that they are authentic rather than pseudo-conservatives.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Whether it's the vision of our founding fathers, the courage of our veterans, the moral compass of Christopher Columbus, or the fortitude of presidents like Lincoln and Reagan, the truth of history should not be undercut by liberal ideology. At Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, we honor history even as we look to the future. Join us at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's wrap things up. I want to give you a narrative machine update. I talked to you last week. I used that phrase, the narrative machine. It's so powerful what the narrative machine is doing to the American people, trying to tell you uh, what to believe and being very effective at it. It's really terrible stuff. Uh, so let me, But let me walk you one specific example. I want to show this to you. you. Over time, remember, I tell you often, Maybe i got to come up with a better phrase. But in politics, in campaigns, it's very rare that you have a knockout blow. It's death by a thousand cuts. If you think now about how did uh, a a president like Donald Trump who had very popular policies, how did he how did he get how did they uh, damage him? They did a, they didn't do one big knockout blow. They did thousands and thousands of cuts. That's how it works in politics, and that's how the narrative machine works. They over time they continue to build the little details. And here's an example. I was reading Politico as I tell you I often do, and Politico had a piece that said what Ulysses Grant can teach Joe Biden. So right there, I'm like, oh, huh, that's kind of interesting. What Ulysses Grant can teach Joe Biden? I, I, I like U.S. Grant. I've read a bunch of stuff about U.S. Grant. I was very intrigued uh, recently. I, I listened to a, a book on tape on the history of the siege of Vicksburg, which uh, you, in this writing, the U.S. Grant U.S. Grant played a role, um, not the main role, uh, but a big role. And it was interesting. And I like U.S. Grant. He's got a Missouri connection, all that stuff. So I thought, "Oh wow, that's an interesting topic. What an interesting phrase to use. What, you know, what Ulysses Grant can teach Joe Biden and then about putting down violent insurrections." Uh, Okay, let's click on that and see. And here's the article that that I mean, here's an article that purports to make it sound like Joe Biden is going to have to um, kind of deal with a violent insurrection all the time. And here's the opening sentence. And this is my point about the narrative machine. The opening sentence is. The deadly siege of the Capitol in Washington, which sought to overturn a legitimate election by targeting lawmakers with assassination, was not the first attempted insurrection in American history. Now, okay... I know enough about siege, deadly siege. That's a phrase. That's a phrase that's used sort of loosely. It wasn't a siege. It was whatever it was. It was a, a, you know, vandalism or something. It wasn't a siege. Then it was sought to overturn a legitimate election. No, it sought to uh, the people that were having the event at the time and the ones that were violent were somewhat different. But the people that were there were saying use the actual legitimate laws about the election and then it's by targeting lawmakers with assassination. This is a canard of the left right now that somehow people were up there with a list of people to assassinate. And my point here is, then the article goes on to talk about how Ulysses S. Grant, after uh, the, uh, after the, the, the uh, Civil War, had to deal with this and that and the other thing. And then during the Reconstruction, there were insurrections that popped up. The point is... They use history to slowly, you know, inculcate messaging, and you don't think about it. The phrase that's often used by people is to, you, you, you're, "you're talking past the sale." You know, you've already, you, if you read that first sentence, you are already thinking, "Oh, yeah, well, this, uh, of course, a deadly season." You're, you know, no one, is, you're not even questioning it. You wouldn't question it, and that's how that. There's another way that they do it. The words are important, and the narrative's important, but in, the key is a thousand. You know, a thousand facts, a thousand facts to build their lie, a thousand facts. If you pulled back and saw all the facts, you'd say, well, that's not the truth. That's not what they want you to see. A thousand facts piled together strategically to give you evidence of the lie. That's what they're doing. And that's a great example of it. I wanted to put it out there for you. I'll post it up put it up on social media. As always, let me say thank you to our great technical director, Noah, for all he does. Thank you to Joanna for booking our guests and we will be back tomorrow. Thank you for listening. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow.
0: America report on The Answer, San Diego.